Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. First thing I want to ask is, does anyone have a coin they brought with them today? Anyone bring a coin? Maybe you already put it in the offering plate. You've got a coin? I knew somebody would have one. I told the Lord, someone will have a coin. All right. So if you could have that coin ready. As we, I think on the text for today and what we're going to talk about, I am reminded of the Apostle Paul and how he had to deal with what it meant to be a dual citizen. The Apostle Paul was born in Tarsus, which was a city off the coast of the Mediterranean Sea in modern-day south-central Turkey. And as one who was born in Tarsus, Paul had been blessed with two citizenships. On the one hand, he was born into the tribe of Benjamin, and he says as far as his pedigree goes among Jews, he was the Jew of Jews. By birth, he was a Jew, and yet also by citizenship, he was a Roman. It was likely that his father had purchased or won that citizenship, which then he was able to pass on to his family. We find that Paul was also had the rights and privilege of, of being a Roman. This was a unique situation, but probably had unique challenges also. When Paul had to be involved in civil matters, was he to, to keep in mind the needs and the interests of Rome, first and foremost, or was he to represent his own people, the Jews? That dual citizenship had to challenge him in some ways to think, well, where does my allegiance lies? Am I betraying my people by being a Roman citizen? What laws shall I honor? What about taxes? What about leadership? And so we ask the same question for us today. Where does our allegiance lie? As we commemorate our country's origin and independence, we want to properly keep this in perspective. That we are not only citizens of one nation. Paul writes... To the Philippians that our citizenship is in heaven. And that gives us a new perspective on what it means to belong to the United States of America. It gives us an independence that far surpasses any earthly rights or freedoms. And yet at the same time, that freedom also makes us servants. So that while we're in the world, we're also citizens of earth and serving God by serving our neighbor. Jesus is dealing with this question of dual citizenship in our text. When he's asked the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? There's two positions here. One is represented by the Pharisees. The other is represented by the Herodians. 
the Pharisees send their disciples, but they also send the Herodians. On the one hand, the Pharisees taught that the Roman occupation of God's land promised to his people was a total offense. It was an abomination to them. They would pay their taxes, but they would do it grudgingly as a last resort because they had no choice. And they believed that the rightful freedom belonged to Israel. On the other hand, they also sent the Herodians. And the Herodians represented the support of Herod, the king. That's why they were called the Herodians. The Herodians were supporters of Herod as the king. And as the king, Herod was appointed king. He wasn't born king. He was appointed king by the Romans. And he was a supporter of Rome. These were in favor of the Romans being a part of their culture and the Greco-Roman culture that was being brought to their people. They thought that the advances that the Romans were able to give in the economy and in infrastructure through the paying of taxes was a good thing. So is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This puts Jesus in a precarious situation. Reminds me of a Star Trek episode where Captain Kirk is confronted with the Kobayashi Maru, a situation where the captain of the ship is going to lose either way. Whether he goes this way or this way, people are going to die. How can we find ourselves through this situation where we find ourselves torn between what we owe to the state and what we owe to God? For instance, we know that our government funds Planned Parenthood, an organization that sponsors and carries out abortions. This is a total abomination. And in one way or another, our nation is going to be judged by God for funding abortions. It's absolutely wrong. It's the worst thing I can think of. So, is it lawful to pay taxes to the United States of America? What if policies are enacted that are beginning to threaten our liberties to worship, our liberties to practice our faith? Is it lawful to pay taxes to our country? What if our leaders become more and more ungodly? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? The answer that Jesus looks to is to show us that we are dual citizens and we need to keep a balance in understanding that. He deals with this question with the wisdom of a sage. Rather than answer the question, he answers the question with a question and he says, show me the tax money. So do you have that coin now? Okay. So what coin is it? Quarter. Do you know whose inscription is on the quarter? Somebody here has to know. The United States of America. And then whose face is on it? Washington. So even on our own coins, whether it's Washington or Lincoln, we put the image of our leaders. And Jesus holds up that coin and he shows the image. George Washington, 
He says, who is this? And they answer, and who does it belong to? Now, in those days, that coin would have had the image of the emperor Tiberius. And it would have read, son of the divine Augustus, a son of the gods. And on the other side, the phrase Pontifex Maximus, which means the high priest. So Jesus is highlighting the fact that this is not just a piece of money. It's a representation of an earthly king with an earthly god. A view of the whole world that's against everything we stand for, and yet he still says, who does it belong to? Who do those coins belong to? Who does the money belong to? He says it belongs to the government. He calls it the things of Caesar, reminding us that our responsibility as citizens of an earthly nation is not to cling to our money as if that's the most important thing that we have. There's more important things at stake. We owe service to whomever is appointed as the God-given representative. As long as they are serving in the office that God has sanctioned, whether president or senator or governor or mayor or school board chairman, God says that he appoints those offices. Now, the people who step into those offices might not always be our favorite people, and they might not always do the things that we would do or that we would approve of. But we have a balance to keep as citizens of two kingdoms. And first of all, we give thanks. We give thanks that we do have a government. We give thanks for the freedoms that allow us to gather today without a government official in the back, listening in and staring over our shoulders. We give thanks for the many good things that this nation has brought to us today. We should take whatever legal means we have at our disposal to be represented in the government and to change things like abortion, funding. We should indeed promote life and protest the death of the unborn, the precious value Because when it comes to things that belong to God, life is among the most precious. It does not belong to Caesar, and we should object. But the only clear excuse the Bible gives where we are called to disobey the government is if they step completely outside of their office and work and they start to legislate matters of the heart. That is where God says they've crossed a line. If they try to legislate matters of faith, For instance, if a school system should teach our children that we are not designed by God or that any and all sexual expression outside of marriage should be approved of and they're teaching our children that or they're telling our school to teach that, then they are treading on the things of God. They're beginning to legislate influence on faith. But even in these situations, our attitude needs to take a gut check. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God, which means we need a measure of humility and faith. Because we're dual citizens, 
And we have a responsibility that goes beyond just what we see happening in our nation with our eyes. There is a higher authority at stake, and Jesus points this out when he says, render to God the things that are God's. We cannot fully understand how the authorities we see in this world, the presidents, the dictators, the leaders, and all of the decisions that they're making correspond with God's heavenly plan. We cannot see that fully with our eyes. There is a warfare and a kingdom that exists beyond what we see with our eyes. We aren't here today to rejoice that we are independent of British power. But we are here to rejoice that our names are written in heaven. This is the greatest responsibility for us as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. To remember that this coin is not the only thing that matters. Now, when we looked at that coin, we saw the image of George Washington. But God is reminding us here that we have an image far greater than what's on that coin. He's taking us back to the Imago Dei, the image of God that was first given to us at creation. Jesus is harkening back to the first design, the heavenly kingdom work that was entrusted to Adam, not to put his face on a coin, but to represent God in everything he did. The issue for Adam was not to appropriate funds to the proper lobbyists or program for the poor or to stimulate the economy. All of that is just a guise for what man thinks is most important. The issue for Adam was the appropriation of the heart, the lobby of the enemy trying to overthrow God's throne and take the heart of Adam and Eve and set traps, the Kobayashi Maru, like Jesus is facing, where we, time and time again, are helpless to overcome it. Where we see how corrupted we are, how we are not living according to the design God's given us, his image, and down, we have this prideful attitude that wants our face on the coin. We want to do things our own way. We want to preserve our own plans, our own rights, our own freedoms. And we think we know what is best for a better tomorrow. But Jesus maneuvers this problem. Only Jesus could totally rightly deal with this dilemma and this conflict, and he did it by submitting in two ways. He submitted to Caesar, and he submitted to God. He didn't submit to Caesar at the expense of God, but he submitted to God at the cost of his own life and freedom. So he gave up his rights, he gave up his freedoms, he gave up his privileges, and he laid it all down. And that's how he founded a heavenly kingdom, imparted to us true freedom from every power. He submits to Caesar and gives himself up so that he can testify to the truth. And so we turn to him who died and rose and ascended on high, the king of kings. Jesus is above all nations. And the greatest work we can do as citizens of both kingdoms is to pray. To pray 
that is our privilege because those who are not citizens of a heavenly kingdom are not praying. And God calls us first and foremost to get into this work of praying and discerning how God is at work even in the circumstances we see. That the reality is beyond what we see. Jesus working out his plans for domination. But not doing it by politicians and policies, but by the Spirit. By faith and truth and love through his word. And now he entrusts all of that authority to you who are redeemed in his image. That is why Paul would have to always strike a balance between Rome and Judea to submit to Rome at times, accepting the beatings that they put upon him, and at other times standing up and exercising his rights. But never did the apostles promote a revolution. Instead, he said, our citizenship is in heaven. Today, we honor the sacrifices given, the cost of freedom, but we always remember above all the greatest sacrifice, the cost for our freedom, that our heart and our pledge of allegiance belongs to God, to honor him in everything we do, including how we serve our neighbor and respect those in charge. Christ, by high, heavenly hosts adored, greatest, mighty, sovereign Lord, God of nations, King of kings, head of all created things, by the church with joy confessed, God o'er all, forever blessed, pleading at thy throne we stand, save thy people, bless our land. Amen.